Thank you for tuning into More Than a Felon. I'm your host, Ladell Hayes, T26179, the ex-felon. After serving a prison sentence of 11 and a half years, I was able to get back into society and founded my very own nonprofit organization called Operation Flame. However, society is not always the most forgiving when inmates are being reintroduced after serving prison time. Here are more than a felon. We will conduct live interviews with ex-felons who have found success within their community and are striving to change the lives of others. Join us every week where you can experience real topics from ex-felons as well as real-time phone calls with currently incarcerated inmates to get their opinion on how we can reduce the spread of incarceration. Ex-felons in society have paid their debts to the rights for freedom, but many are challenged to change the way we are viewed by public perception. For more information regarding matters such as these, please feel free to visit our website at operationflame.com. So let me ask you this. And I know that you're out there. You no, know, you do a lot of entertainment, man. You do a lot of entertainment. And I have your album, 16 Alike. And I have heard several of my friends and family members have heard it. And they actually requested me to, to get a copy of it from you for them. And in what way do you want to be productive in your community? That's a good question that you asked right there. And, and I realize now that a person is going to always impact their community in some type of way, whether it's positive or whether it's negative. So it's up to that person to try to choose what type of imprint he's going to leave on this community. And so how I try to be positive in my community is just we be honest with those who are willing to listen and those who I can get a hold of and talk to and touch and let them know that the things that are portrayed in the street are very, very harmful. It's a waste of time. It's hurtful. To, to the person that you may have committed a crime against, and also to yourself, you waste a lot of time going in prison. Anything a person can accomplish in prison, you can accomplish 20 times more on the street. But there's a certain type of lifestyle sometimes that's portrayed that's made to seem cruel and, and what we would call the hood. And it's unfortunate that a lot of people are tricked into trying to follow that lifestyle, not realizing that their mom, their kids are severely hurt by their absence. And so my thing is just to try to be a, a positive voice and influenced them in ways that I wasn't influenced. A lot of my older homeboys, unfortunately, made that life seem like it was the thing to do. And going to prison was a badge of honor. Me and you both, Dale, I'm sure we've seen many things in prison. But I'm sure one thing that me and you never seen was when a person got called for parole, they told them, come back in a year, I'm kicking it with the homies. And so I say all that to say that it's unfortunate that we have so many older dudes who should know better to make it seem like it's cool to go to a place that nobody really wants to be at. I, I've seen some of the toughest gangsters in there breaking down the door to get to the law library, to try to get out, you know, to try to get, get from under a life sentence or uh, 25 years. So it just, uh, that's the thing, man. I just try to keep it real with my homies and, and people who are listening and let them know that the prison is not a place that a person wants to go. Yeah, there's two things you just said. And as you were just talking, I know I, I was just listening because it was a lot of meat on that bone. But I, I wrote something down. You said to be honest. And I wrote that. And you kept talking, but it made me write down something else. And I remember listening to one of your one of your tracks. And you said, doing life for your hood is just a waste of time. And when I heard that, I'm like, oh wait. 
because I'll be like, man, and I tell people, and I know you hear a whole lot of dudes in incarcerated rap, but I say, man, I know a dude crossbreed between Tupac and Nas all in one. And some of the things that you really said is it's kind of like revolutionary, but it is so real because dudes don't understand the pain that I'm not even going to say me because I had a date, but I don't know what it feel like at 19 years old or 20 years old to be sentenced to life in front of your moms. I don't know. I, I can't even fathom that. And then to do all that time and remain solid while you're doing it. But if you listen to some of these tracks on your album and you get to realizing some things, like you said, your friends or your big homie before you told you not to get out there and do this. But then when they got into trouble, the things they told you not to do, they turned around and did. Now right. you, they done did the opposite of what they told you not to do. And they went back home. Right. Well, like you say, man, it's a cold situation. And what I come to realize over time that I would say a vast majority, maybe even 80 percent, man, is, is active. People want attention. And, and when you're young and you run around in the hood, a lot of us haven't found ourselves at that particular point in life. So we're trying to do things to impress others, not realizing that these other people really not going to do the things that they supposed to do. And what we're talking about, I think we should be a little bit more clear for the listeners is we're talking about dudes who aren't sticking to certain street codes. Dudes exactly. telling you not to snitch, telling you not to tell. But when they get caught in a situation, that's the first thing that they do. And so I realized after a point of time being in prison that a lot of dudes in prison, man, we all were just lost. Dudes is faking, trying to be hard. And that's why I say doing life for your hood is a waste of time because not only that, while you sitting back doing life, you may have 15, 20 homies out there, real good homies that's going to keep in touch with you. But a few of them get killed. A few of them get incarcerated. A few of them smarten up and get jobs, get married, get a family. They, they got a family. They don't have time to be sending you money and running back and forth. And so you realize that at some point in time that everything that you stood for, everything that you caught yourself riding for, it was just a waste because the world is going on. People is getting married, looking up, and it's five, 10 years in past. Now it's 15, 20. Important people to your life is, is leaving either through death. Or just through through absence, people is people is moving apart, moving on with their life, and so that's one thing that, like I said, I never had none of my big homies really point out to me. They tried to glamorize it and make it seem like it was cool, and it's just something that's really devastating to both sides. Not to mention that a lot of the times the crime that we're committing is black on black crime, and so that's a whole other issue right there. But so that's all I try to do, man. I try to give people advice that I would give my son or give my cousins, because if you really care about a person, you're not just to send them down a destructive path. And so that's the messages in my song. You know, why a lot of my songs is still, I'm on some street stuff. I'm talking about the streets, but it's always a message. You know, the majority of my songs, if a person listens, I'm telling you, no, this ain't what you want to do. Exactly. And I totally agree with that. Now, with that being said, let me ask you this. In prison, what was your turning point? Well, this that's a good question right there. And like I say, once again, it goes back to the mentality. My mentality was so, I would say, I was so immersed in this gang culture that I didn't even care. And, and that's sad to say because I felt like being in prison, having a life sentence, it came with, it was a, a possible consequence of what I was doing. And so when I committed myself to do that, I was willing to accept the consequences that came with it. Everybody's not like that, but you know, some people was fighting. But me, I kind of just gave up and was just, was just in there because like I said earlier, once a person had life, when I first came to prison, 
even if you had life with the possibility of parole, like I did, the governors in the board, parole board was set up where you was never going home. It was so much, it was so much political tape and ways they had to just deny you parole or take your parole once you got it. You was basically doomed. And so I, I adapted the mindset of I'm here. And so I never went to any classes. I never did anything to better my life because I felt like I had life now. Why change? And so to answer your question, maybe around 2007, 2008, that all of a sudden the board started getting revamped, reconstructed. You had lifers who had been in there maybe on a seven to life, had been in there 30, 35 years. They were filing some lawsuits that was getting heard by the courts and getting ruled in a positive favor as far as the lifers was concerned and initiating parole. So once I began to see people would go home in an astounding rate, then it started to make me change, started to make me like, okay, maybe I really can get out of here. And so that was the initial. The initiation of the starting point in my life, man, once I seen people who I was walking the yard with, playing basketball with for the last 10, 15 years, go home. That was the turning point right there for me. Okay, now, going before the board, how did it make you feel? And like, was it a nerve? I mean, you got to be nervous. You got to be shook up in there knowing that here it is, here go some people that's really looking at you and you have to look them in the eye and explain certain things that they want to hear in order for you to go home. And it's your freedom. Is sitting right there in their hands. So that's another great question right there, Dale. And I'm going to be honest with you. There was two times when I was in prison that I was shook up. Initially, I was arrested for an attempted murder. So I stayed in the county jail for about five or six months. Then they came and filed another separate murder on me. That shook me up. I was shook up. Then, as you spoke about going to the board, Excuse me, I'm going to be a little long on, on this reply, but that it really shook me up, man, because like you say, see me, luckily I'm blessed with a good personality. As you remember, Dale, I was always in there laughing, joking, clowning, and that's how I done my time. I was always upbeat, and that helped me not to even keep my mind focused on my situation. But then years later down the line, I think me and you, Dale, I think we met somewhere around, I would like to say maybe 2000, 99, yeah. 2000, somewhere up yeah. in there. Yeah, that's But correct. now- when, when, when it was time for me to go to the board, I didn't have to go to the board till about, I think my first time was like maybe 2009, 2010. And to be honest, here's a chance possibly for me to get out of prison. But I was so shook up and didn't have any belief that I would get out of prison. Can you believe I postponed my board hearing? Three different times. I put it off for twice. I put it off for a year. Another time I put it off for five years because I, I wasn't ready. I had been in there getting fights. I had just got into a riot. You hit the nail on the head, man. That shook me to the core. And, and I sat back and I thought about it. Man, I didn't give these people all this control over my life. And to be honest, it was terrifying because like I said, I was in there for a murder where three people that got shot, one person that got shot in the head. Then I was also convicted of another murder. And so, man, I'm, I'm like, what can I say to these people that's going to make them let me go? The situation was so basically terrifying, I postponed it. That way, I wouldn't have to deal with it. I wouldn't have to deal with it because I had no idea. I'm still stuck in my gang mentality. I'm not just going there and tell these people nothing. So it was terrifying and it was sad to realize at that time that I gave, uh, I gave these people all this control. And for those who don't know, before when, when we go to the board, we also have to go and see the psych. Now, the psych is going to ask you all these type of questions, and then nine times out of 10, especially back then, the report is going to be horrible. So the psych is saying he's using all these clinical words. In a nice way, he's saying, I'm a minister to society. But in a clinical way, he's saying, I'm a sociopath. 
antisocial. He's using all these psychological terminologies that's really making me seem like a horrible monster. And so it angered me because I'm thinking, okay, I only talk to this dude an hour. If you get a negative psych report, then you're not going nowhere. The, the psych report is very instrumental until you getting out of prison. So a few times I look at the psych report for two or three minutes, I'd get angry and throw it in the box and put it up. Said this dude can't talk to me for an hour and, and figure out who I am. Then later on, once I began to get in self-help and come to an understanding of who I was, I said, man, that dude, he hit the nail on the head. Not to mention, I didn't tell him everything. I lied to him about it. If he had known all the stuff I'd have done, he was right. So I was reckless. I was dangerous. I was, I was a threat to society. And I had to accept those things about myself. Anytime you firing a gun and there's other people besides the person that you're shooting at that can get hit, and even the person that you're shooting at, you are dangerous to society. Me being so deeply immersed in my gang thinking, I'm thinking that this is what, as a gang member, this is what I'm supposed to do. So like I said, I was going to be a little long with that reply, but you know, Dale, to say the least, man, it's frightening because then when you finally do go to the board, they're asking you these questions. They're trying to make you tick. You know, they're asking you these questions and they're saying all type of stuff. And you best believe one wrong answer to let them feel you're still even a smidgen of that killer, that gang member, that drug dealer that you were when they arrested you. And you first to get a three year denial, five year denial, seven year denial, even a 10, 15 year denial, depending on your track record in prison and, and your answers. So like I say, man, it's horrible. It's horrifying. Imagine sitting in there 20 years. You go to the board and they tell you come back in seven. So it's horrifying. It sounds something, something terrible. And I'm glad the listeners got a chance to hear some of that because going to self-help and you admitting that, you know what? He was right. I was a danger to society. That's one thing about getting a grip with yourself. You have to admit your own rights and your own wrongs and accept it. It helped you get over things a lot better once you accept the fact that you did wrong. And not to cut you off, Dale, and, and that's what I was saying earlier in the interview, that a person who does not have a life sentence, they're not forced to take a hard look at themselves because they're going to get out anyway. And I'm going to keep it real. If I hadn't took these classes, I would have came out the same way because when you don't deal with it, the problem is still there. And so that's one thing that these classes, because initially I was extremely against self-help. I'm like, these people can't tell me nothing about myself, but what it is just helping one recognize thought patterns and ways of thinking. Like for instance, okay, when we playing basketball, back when we was in there, Dale, there was a, I'm talking about when me and you met, there was respect. People played basketball. If they accidentally fouled you, hit you in the face, they're going to say, excuse me, and this and that. But later on, as the, as more time passed, the youngsters came in, they had less respect. And so now say if a person call you a bitch or, or a hoe on the, on the basketball court, you're going to hit them in the face. The response may seem spontaneous, but actually you already put it in your mind due to your gang thinking, due to your convict thinking, due to your hood thinking that if a person disrespect me, I'm going to punch this person in the face or I'm going to stab you or I'm going to do whatever. Now, so what the self-help helps you do is it helps you to change your way of thinking. It helps you to change, okay, well, maybe I shouldn't even be out there on the basketball court. Or maybe if a dude called me a, a dame, now I have other options. Maybe I'm just going to walk away. I recognize myself getting angry. And that's all self-help is. Every single thing in self-help is not going to be for an individual. And so you can take the things that you feel are useful and the rest of them you don't worry about. But it, it's just helping a person change the way they think and because your thinking leads to your actions. And if you can change the way you think, then you can change the way you act. And so for me, it was extremely helpful because there's been a lot of incidents since I've been released where had I 
had my old way of thinking, things could have went bad. Yeah, but that, that's good that you was able to conduct yourself because you already know what they're going to do to you. With that being said, let me ask you this question right here. What advice do you have for at-risk youth or those who refuse to understand the system and what the system can do to them? Once again, man, that's another question because it's hard, man, to sometimes see things and understand how things is going to affect you if you ain't necessarily dealt with them. So my advice, find someone that they really look up to, find someone that they appreciate their advice who's been to prison, someone who's going to tell them how it is and sit back and try to soak up game and see the path that they're going down. Because it's crazy, right, that this cliche is, oh, it sounds kind of corny. But if you out there game banging in the street, death or jail is the only place you're going. But sometimes we know from being young, being in the streets, that we all feel invincible, like things can't happen to us. So my advice is just to, to try to find someone that, you know, that, that they trust that's going to give them some good advice and change their life as quick as possible. Because prison is, like I say, it's a waste of time. The, the streets is vicious. The rules now are even more vicious than when I was out there in the streets, because today there's no rule. There were certain type of honors that we had out there in the streets that the dudes today in the streets, they don't care. They don't care whether you old. They don't care whether you're a woman, a kid. You don't gang bang. You with your mama. You with your old father, grandfather. They gonna just run up on you and do what they do. And the time that they're giving out now is much more when I was young. So it just, hopefully they can sit down, they can listen to somebody, they can value their life and find something that they like to do and get focused on that and leave the streets alone. Yeah. And I agree with you, man, because you mentioned death imprisonment. That's what I believe are the only two benefits you know, of game banging. The only benefits you're going to retire with because you're not getting no, no medical, no dental or life insurance once you you venture off into that field. It's an ugly world out here and the society is built and they're going to house you for a very long time. And I appreciate the time, man, that, that you're giving me, taking your time out today. And I hope the listeners get a real good understanding, you know, of uh, who you are and, and, and the things that you now stand for. You get a chance. I'll let, matter of fact, I'll let you explain to the listeners your handle and where they can and find your music at. You know, your YouTube channel and anything right there. So I'll go ahead and give you the floor for that right quick. All right. Thank you. I appreciate you for having me on here, Dale, too. And it was always a pleasure to chop it up with you, man. And uh, for those out there who are interested, look me up on YouTube under 16 to life. That'll be 16-D-A-L-I-F-E. You know, that's my YouTube channel. I have a few videos up there. I have a few audio songs. And then also I just created me an Instagram page. And once again, you can look me up under, this one's going to be 16 underscore TA underscore life, 16 to life. My YouTube page is 16 to life and my Instagram is 16 to life. And so hopefully I'll be putting up some songs and stuff on there pretty soon too. I'm just starting to get accustomed to to the Instagram and, and that type of stuff. So, but that's where you can, you can find me at. Okay. Well, there you have it, ladies and gentlemen. We thank the listeners for tuning in with More Than a Felon with your host, Liddell Hayes, and my boy, 16 to Life, dropping some of that good knowledge on some of us, and I hope it's used as a preventative measure to also allow young adults to listen to it or anybody that's in a juvenile case coming home or any offender or anyone that could be straddling the fence. Let them listen to this. Let them listen to these wise words from someone that's been there that just walked off 24 years in state prison. And I'm pretty sure that the message will be heard. If you want to, you can even 
If you want to listen to or hear something else from 16 to Life, he just gave you his IG and his YouTube handle so you can tune in. And if you have anything for me, you can always get in contact with us at More Than a Felon. We thank you, 16, and you have a good day, man. And you as well, man. I appreciate you once again for uh, having me on here, man. Stay safe. God bless. All right, bro. Peace out. All right. This is your host again, Adele Hayes, T26179, the ex-felon. Thank you for tuning into More Than a Felon, where we will continue to discuss daily issues that affect our communities and highlight the achievements of ex-felons who are now gainfully employed, own their own businesses, or those currently seeking future employment. We appreciate you for listening to the stories of those searching for a second chance in society. Subscribe to our podcast here at More Than a Felon. Join our Facebook group at More Than a Felon and visit our website at OperationFlame.com for more positive stories such as these you've heard.